This is the Training Talks podcast with your host Richard Kelly of RK Fitness and Lawrence Davis of LXD Fitness. Today we pose a question to you, but also we'll provide the answer. When trying to lose weight, would you feel it's best to do body weight, machines, or free weight exercises as your first point of call? You're asking me? That free weight's next question. Let's move on. That was really quick. I mean, basically, all of them have their merits, don't they? I don't think so. When we're talking about someone trying to lose weight, we've got, and we're being real about this, you've got some people who need to lose a little bit of weight, it's going to be good. For the people that need to lose a lot of weight, it's going to be really, really hard. See, and I differ with that statement. Whether you need to lose a little bit of weight or a lot of weight, I actually don't think that actually makes a difference with something like body weight. The problem we have, I see in our industry, is everybody uses the term body weight. So, yeah, you know, do body weight this, do body weight that. It's amazing. Body weight for your legs, unless you're extremely overweight, is pointless. Yeah. Because it's not enough resistance. Yeah. Body weight for your arms is good, but only if you're strong enough to handle your own body weight. Which is what I'm saying about the weight the weight, the weight, weight issue in, in, a, in another way. Yeah, yes, but no, because think about it. Let's say 35% or 40% of most males can't do bodyweight exercises properly. You Whereas, mean technically or you mean physically? Physically and technically. Okay. And a, a higher percentage of women have the same problem with upper body work. Yeah. Listeners, if you think about how many people can do a chin-up, a pull-up, and strict press-ups in most positions, it's not a high amount. No, I mean, you can add dips in there too. And... the this is where I think I think you're right because if you take say the body weight squat, the body weight squat is pretty easy. Most people can do that. There's obviously a, a small number of people that can't because they're either very overweight or they've got some sort of restriction because of injury or something. But for most people, that's a relatively easy exercise to do. And how many would you have to do in order to make that a valid exercise in a workout? In order to get to your goal, if we're talking weight loss. It's about getting the correct amount of stimulus. I believe stimulus and the right stimulus is the key to get to literally all goals. And I believe that a lot of people undershoot or overshoot it. Hence why they never get to their goals. I can agree with that. Yeah. So going to body weight. Yeah. The only way to get enough stimulus for weight loss is to add additional weight on. I can agree with that. And for upper body, for most of the people in this category... Body weight's too much stimulus. Yeah, for a lot of people, that's correct. The only one that can go either way is a push-up because it depends on what standard of push-up you've got. But that's because push-up is the easiest of them. Yeah, and so therefore it's the first one that people will will get. Would you then classify a pull-up or dip or chin-up or whatever with additional weight as a free weight exercise or a body weight exercise? Free weight exercise. So you come back to what I said, free weights are the best. I haven't finished. I'm going deeper than that. Okay. So listeners, from everything I just said, write off body weight. Now let's get to machines. Okay, so I like this machines debate because I think there's a lot of value to be had from machines that I think people don't uh, understand. And that value comes in deliberate overload. And that's the end of a session. During the 1970s and 1980s, you had guys like Mike Mitzer and before him you had Arthur Jones. One of the principles that Arthur Jones came up with, which was used by a lot of bodybuilders, from then on to now was hit, but not hit as we know it. No, it's uh, H I T. Yeah, H I I T, and that style of training was about making sure that 
you worked hard, but for shorter periods of time, but extremely intense. And this was all based on machines. Because one thing you need to understand about this, listeners, is to go to true absolute failure, you're putting your muscles at risk. You're putting the technique and the risk, your the increase of injury is higher. Yeah, so I mean, by, yeah. Let me, let me just so for the for the listener to understand this because I think uh, there's a way of explaining. So let's say you're squatting with a barbell, and you might be able to do ten with that weight, right? And if you really push it, you can possibly do twelve, but your body really is somewhere at twelve and a half. You can't really risk trying the thirteenth rep to see if you can do it because the risk of failure is so big. Whereas you could go on a leg press and do that safely and you fail, the machine will protect you and ensure that you don't get hurt. Exactly. So because of that, the system was, you pick a body part, do a warm-up set, then you do two to three sets where you go to absolute failure. And this was at the end of their sessions? No, this was the whole session. This was the whole session? This was the whole session. So, you know, you split it up into body parts, classic bodybuilding, do legs, then you do a chest, then you do a shoulder, you could even do a couple of maybe two exercises in a body part, but the problem is, if you got it right, you may not be able to do two movements in the same area. No, so you'd probably do, say, a chest and back movement or something. So in 45 minutes to an hour, you could totally exhaust your whole body effectively. But we wouldn't be recommending this for a, you know, a, new, a new person trying to lose weight. Why not? Because they don't know their levels mentally to get to that point. For most, for most new people, I think they're, they're not comfortable with discomfort at, the, at an early stage. And just making sure they're consistent is the most important area. So, Now, Richard, you've known me for a while. Yeah. I don't like to be around the bush. This would be perfect for them. Keep them in a safe environment. And it's the first step in the lesson to understanding what fatigue really feels like. How can you gauge when you go to free weights? What weight to put on a bar for 10 reps if you don't know what fatigue really feels like? You can't. You're always going to undershoot it. Coming back to my ethos of getting the stimulus right. And that's the biggest problem, Richard, with most programs and most people at the beginning level. It takes them six months, maybe even longer, to get anywhere near the right levels of stimulus. Arthur Jones believed the weight needed to be heavy, tension needed to be consistent, and they needed to be done slowly and under a controlled manner, which is literally TUT. Yes. Which is easier to do in a machine. Now, bear with me for a second. So I'm saying by doing this first, it may be horrible to begin with, but will fast track them at least four to five months in terms of understanding what weight is the right weight and gives them the right stimulus for the result. I think realistically those people won't be there in four months because I don't think they will be able to handle and tolerate that. I think training for someone who's trying to lose weight is a journey because most of the time when they arrive, they arrive in the belief that they are six weeks away from having a six pack because that is how the media has portrayed things to them. So they've arrived with expectations that are completely unreasonable what we need to do in order for those people to be successful uh through exercise is ensure they're consistent first and they can do something that's well within the realm of what they're doing now if that means that it's six months before they undertake this i'm okay with that because that six month period where they're making technical progression 
where they're learning their levels and understanding load points is more valuable and they still make progress and progress is progress yes but that's only if they're with you if they're by themselves this works best because they can still learn how to do free weights but they'll still make progress just by doing the machines on their own to a point i agree with you they won't make us they'll, they'll plateau at some point what we outlined was one day session as a trainer you could put this in once a week if you're working with someone yeah you could and i i think though that what would realistically happen is that the first week to probably four weeks you wouldn't actually hit anywhere near fatigue because no one really who who's new will push too close to fatigue because they won't even if they're they're trying to push their maximum they still won't do it because they don't know the consequence of it wait you say that but because of the machine that brings in psychology because you tell them to do 15 reps they'll find a way they can do 15 reps for then you say okay do another five do another ten and then you're taking what they feel is the total failure and pushing them past that to where real failure is yes but how many people have you worked with taking to another context right where you've done bench press or squat or deadlift and you know the rep is close to their max and they're going to have to grind that rep out and that rep is going to take 20 seconds to do because of how heavy that is relative to their level how many of them can actually handle that stress for their cns system not many but that's why this is it this is the the silver bullet this is that learning phase but yes what i'm saying is is that for most people a rep that takes three or four seconds is a long time and this is it richard it's weird that in this conversation i am the hardline guy no you're always the hardline guy no i don't believe i'm it. the soft nice i'm the guy everyone i'm the friendly guy you're I the hardline guy i don't believe it but today i believe it because i feel like this is for a lot of my clients we get the goals and you know you need to break them in slowly however it takes them a long time to get through the uncomfortable zone this is a way of being being able to get them into the uncomfortable zone and through the first stage of understanding what it takes i think there's value to doing this i just don't think it's at the beginning but i've already outlined that i'm going to test it out would you not use free weights then with someone who's a, who's a newbie or would you not advocate for that of course i'd advocate for free weights would you say that trumps machines even in this type of workout if, if you're taking it from a which is going to get them there faster it's undoubtedly this but which is going to have the longer term benefit free weights of course but that's the problem for the listeners out there with a young training age you need to teach them the technique while still trying to get the results it's a balance a difficult balance between the two sides so so what realistically you end up doing is the first part of your session when someone's fresh is you go through the technical work which is the weight training stuff which is really where you're building for the long term and in the second half you might use the machine based stuff or the cable work because the cable work is where they're gaining some short-term progress towards their goal and unpacking a session that's really what we will do yes but if you're going to use the Arthur Jones type of stuff, which I'm the evil guy for suggesting, it would be two days working on free weights. And you know with some things like triceps and biceps, you can burn them out more and you don't need to worry so much about the technique. You'd add them into those two sessions. If I was going to introduce this to somebody, I would introduce it through through triceps and bicep work. This is where I'd come to it first because it's a small muscle that you can isolate. It's very easy to isolate. And then the burnout isn't that long. 
because I think with something say like a quad, you're going to be doing 50 plus 60 reps. No, only if you get the weight too light. Yeah, but the first time you are. Yeah, but not. Mm, that's true. Maybe that light. You're right. Now that you say that, I realise I actually do quite a lot of this style of training with my clients on arm work. And that's with the ladies. Listeners, watch this space because I'm going to introduce this, this program to one of my clients. Give it a three-month period and see what happens. Good luck, Lawrence's client. Okay, so let me pose you a different question then. I'm ready for this question. Okay, so let's say someone new. They, you know, they've, they've done maybe a month, two months in the gym. They've done some basics on some of the free weight stuff. So they've done a little bit of bench press, a little bit of squat stuff. They've tried, you know, different things out. Do you go straight sets? Do you go supersets? Do you go for a circuit style? How do you approach that person? What was the third one? Circuit style. That's tough. This is one of those things, listeners, where it's all very personal. Straight sets, because you're training them, wouldn't really make sense. Supersets would always be the best to start with. Just to see if they like it or don't like it. So with supersets then, do you go for what is technically a superset, which is two complementary muscle movements, or are you going uh, agonist-antagonist? For the listener, say a bicep curl with a dip for the triceps. What's funny is I wouldn't even do that. You go upper-lower? Yeah, or it's upper-lower or... Because we're at the beginning phase, core's always a big thing for me. So my first, my first two exercises would be a big movement, yeah and core in a normal scenario with somebody i would go through where their where their main weaknesses are yep and most of my process would be based on that those weaknesses probably 60 to 70 percent of of their workout the other aspects of the workout are for future stuff that i need to do down the line so it might well be that in in this scenario this person has say done bench press i might be introducing more technical work in the bench and in the squat in the sessions and in the rest of my my process is as long as to say core but i could be doing a lot of back movements because effectively they've got poor posture so i need to strengthen the back up before i worry about anything else so then keeping on the question supersets i would have a superset day a circuit day i wouldn't have a single set day the a only single exercise day the only area i go single set in is where if we need to gain a lot of strength and i need to do squats and deadlifts but then that would be second phase it wouldn't be first phase but here's the thing that's what i'm saying so that's out of the question yeah listeners disregard his last statement because it's out of the question well, we have to explain what i've just said so people understand what what i mean so in the first phase like you said it would have to it would be both yeah in different days because then you need to you need to see how the body reacts to each form some people psychologically won't like the circuit whereas some people psychologically can only handle the circuits in the beginning and you need to give them supersets as like a taster to slowly get them into it so link with this then is rep ranges where what rep range do you start off in because typically you're supposed to do 8 to 12 right with a, with a new person but if you're doing circuit stuff would you go high or would you stick to that kind of range because of the, all the research on the best stimulus to get muscle gain and weight loss I would always stick from 10 to 12 or 8 to 12 because ultimately that's the best range. Putting it in a circuit format just means you're doing more exercises and make it like a giant set because it's four or five exercises. But I'd still do the same range which I know is perfect for weight loss and muscle gain. So hold on, so you're doing 12 reps but over say three exercises? Off to five. Just doing a circuit. We're talking a circuit. A circuit would be more than three. Circuit would be more like four so, or five. So in that round, they're doing 36 reps or up to 
50-something. Yep. Okay. So they're hitting all the key areas I want at the rep range, which has been scientifically proved to have the best stimulus, which is around 70%, which means you're doing between 8 and 12 reps perfectly. So I don't tend to favour the circuit stuff early on because I think, in my experience, what happens is people get too glued into the hard work element of it and the breathing hard and trying to work really hard. So they their, their form goes out the window a little bit because they're trying to complete the circuit. But here's the thing. That's because of the way you put the circuit together. If you put the circuit together in the right way, they can still have little breaks in between so they don't lose the form, but they're just doing five exercises in a row. But you're right, in a sense. I can't really, you, your logic is sound. But I just find that the problem with someone in the gym is that you'll do a certain style of training with them and they become accustomed to that training. If you do that style of training first and for too long, they become so accustomed to that if the psychology, if their personality is a person who doesn't like change, then when you go to something else which you know you works better because you've got the foundations right, they will reject it. Yeah, and this, then it's an uphill battle. This this is a problem, but I always find that the the most sensible thing to do is technique first. So therefore, I try and move away from doing too many exercises back to back. But in your example, you need to stick to your example, Richard. In your example, they've already got good, they've already got decent technique. So technique isn't the issue anymore. We're well, not talking about technique. We're talking about what was the question? It was weight loss and the best form for weight yeah. loss in terms of that. So they've got that. If they didn't have technique, then yes, I would agree with you. But what I'm trying to do is give them as many different versions of training with the same goal in mind. So what we can agree on is regardless of what your goal is, technique comes first. Once you've got technique, then you can worry about weight loss or gaining strength or whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. The reason I'm bringing this up is because it's obvious to us, but for most people it's not obvious because their focus in is output. Yeah, that's true. And then when you're not putting in better output or your output numbers aren't going up, you're like, why? It's because you never worked on the technique to get the technique to a level to then increase your output. It's almost like you're putting a ceiling on your house which is quite low, whereas if the technique's perfect, then that ceiling is kind of limitless. Equally, when you focus too much on output, you, you get to a certain point where your body starts to fight against the amount of work you're trying to do because the amount of work you're trying to do is too high. Yeah, it's almost like too much of a stress on the body. Yeah, because, for example, if I was to put you in, going back to our circuit example, if I was to put you in a circuit and that circuit was going to be squats, bench press and deadlift, which is a horrendous circuit, right, and we're working at 8 oh. to 12 reps and we're gonna do five sets, and you get, let's let's call it rest equal at the end of your set. Oh, it's very nice. Right, what working weights are you gonna be working at? Because even if you stick 60 on each of those things, it's still horrible, and 60 is way, way down on your percentages. Yeah, but then think about it, in, a, in that type of circuit, you'd only have one compound. Everything else would be smaller movements. So this is where we get to a more advanced point, because with, with, a, with a newbie, you could put those things in because they haven't maxed out their technical levels, so they're te they're still within their technical range. Yeah, yeah. But then with someone who's not a newbie, you'd have to do, let's say, taking your example, you do the squat, you keep the squat at seventy percent, but then you do a single arm chest press, and then you maybe do a seated row. Yeah, and then and that's how you break that down. So then it's less demanding on your neurological system. Yep, and you can get the circuit completed at the rep range and the intensity needed. Going back to where you went with the question, at what point 
and at what stage would you say you would do single sets with them? In terms of, so listeners, when I say single sets, I mean one exercise at a time. Okay, so basically, I, I would make that move once technical proficiency uh, was at a, a good base level. So typically, let's take an example like the squat, right? Someone has to get familiar with the movement, someone has to get used to doing that uh, in good range, then we've got to add the bar into whatever position we're using or the dumbbell or whatever we're doing, so they're familiar with the movement. When we start bringing that single movement in is where the demand is quite high technically. So what I would do at that point is do single sets where I'm really building the weight level up. So I'm trying to get them to near to what I think their optimal output is. So for example, if the woman uh, I'm training is 50 kilos, maybe I'm working to the point where they get to 40 kilos. If it's someone else who's 100 kilos, maybe I'm getting to the point where they're at 80 kilos, something like that. So it's still under their body weight, but they've got good form and technique. So I would work single sets all the way through that process. Once we've got near to that point, then it's a case of figuring out whether you would benefit from sticking them into a superset with that compound movement, or whether you just want to keep it to single sets and keep building up until they've got a better range. So that depends on the individual person at that point. For time efficiency, wouldn't it be smarter to do an unconventional superset while you're doing your goal? It depends how technically challenging the compound movement is for that person, though, doesn't it? Because yeah, but you say that, but then it may be challenging, but you could put something which wasn't challenging and was like a core exercise, it's something simple, but you know, it would get you, it would help them. In other words, a basic exercise to go with the complex exercise you're focusing on. So, again, this comes back to the individual I'm working with, and it depends person to person. But typically, what I found is for most individuals, it makes more sense to do it as a, as a single movement. And that's largely psychological. So I agree with your point of view. However, in that time, I would always add in a core exercise, a basic core exercise. Because I believe most people can do something even as complex as a hard squat. A lot of people don't appreciate rest. That's it. So I want to teach rest, but also ultimately my job is to give them that, what they want. Even though they're not the expert, I need to give them what they want. So by doing that, it's that perfect compromise to getting what I want, which is really good technique, solid form, and the progression on the compound move. Because once that gets to the right stage, pairing it with something delightful. Would you ever consider putting, say, lat stretch with a squat? So here's the funny thing about that. Due to my massive amount of knowledge and understanding of stretching and fascia, that's a very bad idea. I, I agree with you, although I wouldn't have said it from that perspective. I, I want to know why in a second. The, the reason I was thinking was because it relaxes the neurological system and therefore when you come back to the squat, you've sent the signal to relax. So that's exactly why. It's all about the nervous system. So you've done everything you can for the last 20 minutes leading up to the exercise and doing the exercise, ramping up the nervous system. And then you want to deregulate a certain area by saying, okay, let's do a pigeon stretch. It's not going to work. If an issue is big and that big that you need to try to stretch it out and you know it's going to overactivate a certain muscle and cause you an issue, you have to deal with it before you warm up. Before you get the nervous system to upregulate, you need to sort it out because you can't upregulate then deregulate. It's, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And the thing is, because most people train at, it's sad to say, guys, but at such a low level, you never really notice this small chink in the armour. So what do you mean by low level? What I mean is, when you're doing a lightweight, 
these are the type of things you can do and get away with. As the weight gets heavier, you can't make these type of mistakes. So let's say someone was doing a, a proper strength session and they had like, we're doing six to eight sets at about 80 to 85 or 90% of their one RM. That's where we're going, the maximum effort. Okay. That is where something like the stretching in between would be so detrimental, they wouldn't hit half the numbers. You're absolutely right. I think you've brought up a very good point here because what you see with a lot of people is they just throw the weights on the bar and they go for it. There's no proper warm-up phase. There's no working sets uh, element. There's no back-off sets. There's no concept about rest breaks. They just jump on their phone for a little bit and then they go back and do the next set. They do three sets. They do their 10 reps. They jump off. That's the end of it. There's not really very much thought going on. Would you go through a 1RM testing process before you brought that in with someone in an ideal world? In an idle world, yes, but we don't live in an idle world. So, no. Most people will never actually do a one RM testing. One of the things that I learned from, um, you know, like a lot of studying and being a sports scientist and staying up to date with things is most people I do the six RM, not the one RM. You don't even go lower than six? Listeners, it is a very intense thing to do a one RM. Most people are not comfortable with a one RM. Most people aren't comfortable aren't comfortable with extreme fatigue from GVT. Yeah. It depends on the movement. I, I've done one, three, and five on deadlift with people because it's on the ground. So if you can't lift it, it's easy, right? The scariest one, uh, I think for most people, is probably squats, although I think it should be bench press. See, I honestly believe that the scariest one is deadlift. In Why? Because bench press, I would use the safety bars. I, I am between safety bars. That's your problem. Sort out your safety. Which means that I've got two options. I go over the neck or down the body. The squat, safety bars again. You can come out of that so easily. But the problem is with a deadlift, you can have strength for the bottom and get it off the ground. But how compromised is your back position in doing so? And you may let it go before it gets to halfway. But what damage can you do in that small period of time? Okay, so it's a good question. So... Effectively, with when, when I talk about doing 1RM, 3RM, 5RM with most people for deadlift, I've, they're not in new people, right? They've already done 10 reps. They might have dropped down to 5 reps at some point, right? And they've got experience at 5 reps before we try and do 1 rep and 3 rep because you have to know what your back's up to. And typically speaking, if someone's got poor back position, I really won't let them advance in their deadlift because they're still working on form. So they've still got the bar, and if they're really ego-driven, maybe they've got 30 kilos on the bar, right? And they weigh 100, right? If their form is good, and we've taken you up in weight, and I've moved you forward, it means you've got some level of ability. Once we get to the point where the weight on the bar is starting to get close to your body weight, it's at that point where I really hammer in on every little minor detail in, in form that I can find. So it's as spot on as we can get. Once we hit body weight, that's when I'm looking at your one RM, your three RM. See, but again, that's not a newbie. I still like that. I like your thinking. I just, I just stay away from it with a lot of people because I feel like it's just a certain mindset that you have to be in. That you know, on the one RM, nothing can come into your mind. If you have any negative thoughts, the weight will chew you up. Yeah. So I don't think about anything. I also think, I know we're talking about meat, but I also think as well, I don't think I've ever done a true one RM on a squat because 
I don't think I've it. So when it's a, a true one RM and you've got good technique, your phase where you come back up, so your concentric phase is slow. I don't think my concentric phase is that slow. I think I come up far too fast for it to be a one RM truly. I think it's mentally a one RM. And it might be that there's other limitations in terms of core strength or stability, but there is definitely something left in the legs. So then that's that's the thing, and that might be like a lot of people. The one RM isn't really a true one RM, and to really get good at one RM, you need to embrace failure. Yeah, and this is this is where, and the reason why this is important is because if you use your one RM number to then base back and work out what your 10 rep number is in in my case with the squat my 10 rep number is bigger than, than the number it should be based on the 1RM yep you see where you're achieving and underachieving in certain areas because you know like okay it should be more than it should be 10% more or it should be 5kg less so then yeah you get a good a good vibe in an ideal world I'd love to do it with every client but I feel like with a lot of people it's lost on them yeah they're not going to appreciate what we're trying to do with this number this goes back to the point that for a lot of people, output is the key thing they measure their progress on, not uh, not on other metrics. They they want they want to work hard in the gym because working hard means they get result, and that's as much as they think about it. And that's it. Um, so basically, in conclusion, we're saying long term free weights would be your best bet. Short term goal machines would probably be your best bet to get yes, weight loss. Yes, but ultimately, you need a combination of both. Yeah, because the machines are only going to take you so far and then you're going to get to a point where you're going to need you would need bigger compound movements which cause your body to burn more calories hence the squat the deadlift and so on and so on that can't really be replicated to the same level of intensity on calories burnt and it recruits more of the cns thanks for listening and we'll be back next week